Hey everyone, welcome to the Voices in Japan podcast with your hosts Ben and Burke. On this episode, we are joined by Manish, the founder of Atha Yoga. Manish worked for Goldman Sachs in Tokyo and Hong Kong. He then left the corporate world to pursue further studies in yoga in,、uh, in India. He returned to Japan in 2009 and has since been offering classes, retreats, workshops, corporate lectures, and seminars in yoga, meditation, mindfulness, and wellness. We had a really great chat and learned some pretty cool small nuggets to improve our daily lives, and we hope you can too. All right, enjoy the show. Each, knee, sang. So, you originally came to Japan、uh, as an investment banker working for Goldman Sachs, is that right? That was actually the second iteration. So, my first iteration was on the JET program. Oh, really? Okay. Well, 20 years back, yeah. So, you, you've heard of the JET program, I take it. Yeah, I did. Ber- Berk was on、too. that. Yeah. yeah. I, I,、okay. I couldn't get onto JET, actually. They, got, they rejected me. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're one of the lucky ones, maybe. No. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding.、Um, Sorry, I came out in Jet, yeah, back, back in the day, over 20 years back, and、uh, in Kansai. And it was supposed to be, you know, the kind of one year away, you know, after finishing undergrad type of thing. And it, it just kind of,、uh, you know, like for many people on the Jet program, I should, it, you know, for some of us, it just, just takes off, right? And it just, we become, you know, we fall in love with this country and then we, we keep coming back. And so、uh, I've been, you know, back and forth over the years for different reasons,、um, different jobs and different reasons.、Um, and so one of those iterations was later after the, after, after I did a few years on JET, actually ended up being about five years in Japan at that time.、Mm. I went back,、uh, did an MBA and then,、uh, and then Goldman hired me to come out to,、uh, to Asia and, and Tokyo was one of the first stops on that, in that adventure. So, you kind of,、uh, because of the JET program, did you have an inclination to get a transfer out here when you were working at Goldman, or was that just random to come out? It, it definitely wasn't random. It actually it, it wasn't even a transfer. They came from Asia and、uh, they were hiring, you know, they had their information sessions on、uh, what do you call it, campus recruiting. And so, we were doing our campus recruiting at our university, and it was specifically for the Tokyo office. Uh, and so that was one of, the, one of the information sessions I went for, was for, for that one. Just I thought it'd be, you know, kind of, you, you really, Jet kind of planted some sort of seed.、Um, and, uh, and, and I think that's what just said, hey, that, that made me want to come out and at least, you know, do a little stint. If not, you know, I didn't think I'd be out here that long. But、um, so that's, that's kind of what got me out here in the second time.、Um, what made you、um, decide to go to Japan in the, the first time when you went on, on to Jet? It was,、uh, yeah, I, you know, I, it was kind of funny. For most of the friends and, you know, contacts that I had on Jet, for, for them, they had always had like a love for Japan and, you know, either it was like anime or Aikido or something, right? From a, you know, it, oddly enough, I never really had that.、Um, it just kind of, I, I happened to have,、uh, yeah, kind of a mentor, a friend who had done it the year before. And I was looking, I really realized I needed a year away from kind of life in, in, Conditioned life, I like to call it, because I was about to go into med school after, you know, kind of do the kind of the good Indian boy routine. And,、uh, and, and kind of what, what happened was I just had this moment, this kind of epiphany. It's like just because you can do something or just because everyone thinks that's the right thing to do, should you do it? And,、um, you know, the answer to that question was no. And I started looking at ways to kind of see the world better, see myself better. And、uh, what I, you know, what path I really needed to travel.、Um, you know, this is the question I had at like 22, apologies.、Um, and so that got me searching. And one of the, one of the programs was a JET program. Come to Japan. And I figured, hey, I'd never been there, don't know the language, don't know anything about the culture really. I mean, from whatever we studied in school, you know, history and culture a bit. But,、um, and, and I figured that would be the way to really, you know, see myself, see my conditioning more clearly. Um, if that makes sense. And so,、uh, so that's, that's what brought me out here.、Hmm. Yeah. We've had、uh, some different people, a lot of people
um, talk about teaching in Japan, uh, both at uh, English conversation schools or universities and, and of course on the JEP program. Um, and we know some people who, who, uh, do banking and stuff in Tokyo, but we've never really had anyone, uh, describe what that's like, um, or that lifestyle. Um, can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, I mean, was it, uh, like, what was the office like? Uh, you know, sure. the number of Japanese people working in the office or was it mostly ex- expats and stuff and just the lifestyle in general? Sure, sure. So, I mean, I can, I can, you know, talk generally as well, but in my specific situation, um, it all depends on which department you're in and, you know, which, which company, of course, as well. And, uh, and so my department was a, uh, it was a, it was a mix of Japanese. It was about half and half Japanese and, uh, and, uh, foreigners. And, uh, and our, uh, our boss, the, the, the butcho was Japanese. Um, but, you know, being inside of, the kind of Goldman machine, which is really, you know, everything's directed out of New York. And so there is definitely, you know, you could feel the, at least in our, in, in Tokyo, in the Tokyo office for, for GS, you could feel the, the, the Western influence, you know, um, and what your other question was, what the lifestyle was like. Again, that really depends on, I think, your position, your boss, your, you know, department. It's, it's, you can't really generalize. Um, I was, you know, pretty lucky or maybe, pretty stubborn. I kind of had a lifestyle I wanted to maintain. Um, and so uh, I, I was able to kind of not be in the office too late. Um, you know, I'd, and I'd always, you know, I was kind of grew up playing sports. And, and uh, so I needed to have my my time at the gym or my time at, you know, uh, exercising every day. So I was generally, you know, uh, like a nine to seven, seven, seven thirty kind of, you know, guy. Um, but of course, there's times where you're, you know, you need to, you need to, Pull all nighters, depending on what's going on, um, and uh, there's busier seasons and, and less. But, but generally, you know, there's. I think the, a lot of those companies are striving for a better life, work life balance, and uh, and I think part of our, I think part of the reason that foreigners, you know, the non Japanese are here is for us to kind of remind um, the companies here that th- this is the, the the company is really is wanting this. And, you know, as foreigners, we can kind of say, hey, look, this is something achievable and this is something we need to keep, uh, keep our eye on this. Um, and so that's partly what I felt my role was to, to kind of make sure I had a good work-life balance. And that would, um, you know, hopefully help others in the office. Did you find that the, um, the Japanese people were doing similar work hours to you or were they, were they doing like the usual overtime and, you know, leaving late, leaving after their the the boss or you know the the leader was that was that the same as well as like in kind of other companies and you know schools are the same like teachers always leaving after the principal for example yeah that that kind of FaceTime is you know it is still there of course it is still there in the culture and I think um, and I think a lot of these companies including the, the you know the the gaishke the the foreign companies they're really uh, they they struggle with that because there is the Japanese culture inside of this kind of Western call it Western culture. Um, and, uh, so you'd see, you'd see, you'd see both, but there's definitely kind of a, maybe a healthy tension. Um, and again, I think it's, it's, you know, our job for those of us who are kind of outside of the, the Japanese culture to not try to assimilate too much. And that's kind of what I really tried to do was try to hold that West, that idea of, yeah, we FaceTime, it's, you know, the boss is saying, go home. So go home. You, have to, you know, you know what I mean? It's, it's not about, uh, it's not about reading beyond that and, you know, having to be Japanese. And I think there's a freedom in that for those of us who are not Japanese, mm. clearly, you know. And, uh, we'll get into it a little bit more as we talk, uh, the initiatives that you have going on, the projects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, your background in yoga, was this kind of going on, uh, that whole time or was there a point where you really started to focus on it even more, uh, it, in your life, I guess. Right. Yeah. So I, um, I kind of to give you the the little bit the 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 history behind uh, the the yoga. I I grew up in a in a house that had kind of the yoga philosophy um, already kind of instilled. So my mother was very much, um, you know, uh, she brought me up in kind of that the philosophy of yoga and the philosophy of, of Hinduism, which is closely related, but but not exactly yoga. Um, but uh, I grew up on the, you know, on the, most people, when we say yoga, we think of the physical kind of, you know, stretching and poses and things like that. And, and uh, because I grew up playing sports, um, that kind of physical aspect of yoga attracted me uh, as well. And that, but that happened much later in life, kind of after, after the jet program. Um, and during my time at, uh, at Goldman um, in the corporate world, it, it, 
it became kind of more and more a part of my lifestyle um, in that, you know, I was seeing that what I was doing kind of on the poses and kind of the physical aspects of this were also helping me kind of uh, create a better kind of mental what's preparation or, or be more, you know, be a little bit stronger kind of mentally for the challenges of, of that corporate lifestyle. Cause there's, you know, there are a lot of things that kind of happen. There's a lot of stresses clearly that happen in those workplaces and, um, and the, the breathing and other aspects of yoga uh, were, were really, I think a strong support during, uh, during these kind of challenging times. How and long did you, um, how long did you work at Goldman Sachs in Tokyo? Tokyo was, I think it was about three years if I, if I added up. And then I, and I went to Hong Kong, um, kind of for, I did a year and a half out there. So almost about five years at Goldman. So it was a relatively short stint, I would say. Um, but, uh, but it was, it was right at the time, you know, all this was happening inside of me in terms of the yoga as well. Um, and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so I think I think in, to your question about um, the, the yoga was a very significant part of my life already um, at the, at that time, and it was growing through that through that phase. And I think that's what helped kind of with the next iteration of life, you know, that that projected me into the next stage. And that included um, meditation. I'm uh, I'm assuming. Yeah, so meditation was a, but I, you know, for a lot of us, we start with the physical, and then that slowly moves on to the other aspects. You get more interested in the more esoteric aspects. Um, and kind of the idea in yoga is you you start with the more gross level, and then as you prepare through the gross, you be you're able to more kind of understand and accept um, and go deeper into the more subtle. So when did that uh, the transition start to happen away from corporate world and started to mo- focus more on uh, developing something related to or through yoga and mindfulness and stuff? So you know, this the seed like the seed was already there; it was already planted. And I think um, I there came a point. So this was about the five year point where I realized I need I could no longer devote time to the corporate world and what I wanted to do kind of in my own life and the pro and the yoga side. Um, that was more kind of an individual practice, you know, how much time I wanted to devote to the corporate world. Uh, it changed for me very, very clearly. And so, but I didn't know it would mean that I would be, you know, working in yoga or, you know, creating programs in yoga. It was not necessarily that it was just that I realized I needed to focus my time in a different way, and so that's why I, I, uh, I left uh, the, the corporate world, and um, and then I, I went to India actually, and uh, even though I'd been, you know, for, uh, I'm, I'm from there originally, so I'd been going as a kid, but I'd never gone there to study for a long, concentrated period of time. And as as an adult, I hadn't gone there for uh, you know a long period of time. So um, so I was in India, went to India after that, and that kind of you know really put me on the next uh, the next path. So was your intention to go to India to study yoga and get further into it to exactly. uh, and achieve your what 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 was your kind of aim after kind of leaving uh, the corporate world and you said you wanted to pursue yoga did you have uh, kind of goals and aspirations of what you wanted to achieve it's kind of funny, you know, I didn't really have a, a work related or something like that. Uh, you know, I didn't have a, I want to do this, learn something and then come back and set up a yoga studio or something. It was never like that. It was more like I had this, um, I had a, a kind of an inspiration that if I go in and kind of get deeper into this practice, um, that some, all will be revealed. Uh, maybe it wasn't so grand, but you know, there was something like you, how can you know something until you've kind of gotten in there, right? How, I don't know the answer yet. All I know is that I'll have a better idea or a better sense of where I want to go once I start doing this, once I, you know, and I, that much I knew, but I didn't know what that meant. Um, you know, for all I knew, I would be coming back into the corporate world, but just, you know, with a different kind of sense of purpose or, or you know. So, um, so yeah, I really didn't know, but I, but I, I knew there was something that I needed to do there. And, uh, and so that's why the next year I was, I was in India more than a year, actually. And what was, uh, what were you actually doing, uh, while you were over there in India? So, so I went, I went down the South of India. I originally started, uh, the, the goal was to get into the, uh, to do what we call Ashtanga, physical Ashtanga, 
uh, yoga practice. And while I was there, I got into classical music. Um, I studied Sanskrit, which is kind of the base language for for yoga. So you're able to, um, you know, kind of tap into the old, the ancient texts if you can understand the language, um, and and ancillary kind of techniques. So that would be the breathing and meditation. Um, and I also studied a related science called Ayurveda, which is the kind of medicine, uh, ancient medicine of India. And my background, actually, my undergrad was in in the medical field, in in pharmacology. And so I'd kind of always had this, in, you know, this interest in the East and West, Eastern and Western medicine. So, uh, so I was busy, you know, I was, I was constantly studying. Um, and it was, you know, it was great to kind of you know, be back in that kind of world of just focusing on, you know, your own research, your own studies as an adult after working for several years. Um, it's very different than when you're, you know, uh, your first time at, at undergrad or something like that. Yeah, and I, I kind of did the same. Like I stopped uh, stopped studying after university, came to Japan, and then I decided to do a master's when I was, I guess, about five five years ago. So I took... 15 years out of studying but once you get back into it again and and when it's kind of something you really want to do you're just a lot more interested and you go a lot deeper you're doing your own research you don't have people pushing you or having to kind of watch over you all the time like you expect from when you're in high school or whatever so it's a different kind of studying but i think a lot more enjoyable because it's actually something you're really pursuing and you kind of have a final goal as well in, in a way so uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of enjoy the the studying now. Like I never used to like it when I was kind of at school. And I remember when I graduated from university, I was like, "That's it, I'm never studying ever again." And now <laughs> it's like I really like studying, you know. And I'm looking looking for like new things to to research and and look up. So yeah, it's it's uh, it's a good thing to do. I, I think this idea of continuing education as adults is not you know it, it's it's not emphasized that much in in Japan as far as I can tell. Um, it, it was fairly well emphasized growing up in Canada, um, but I think that's something that's like you just hit on. You know, you it's 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 really a powerful um, a, a a powerful experience when you have you know you have a little maturity behind you and you pursue studies you know, for the love of those studies, not just to get some marks or to get through something or to get the next job or, you know, your resume. Um, so, so that's, that's what this, that was, that's exactly what that time was for me. And I, you know, I ate it up. Yeah. I think, uh, I mean, when my kids grow up, I mean, uh, break year, is that what they call it? When kids kind of take a year away from school? Yeah. yeah gap year, we call it in England. A uh, gap year. Yeah. I mean, I think I'm definitely going to push my kids to do that because you kind of need to get away from the system that you grow up uh, in for a while and get some perspective and then hopefully when they do return to school then they kind of take a little bit different approach and just feeling like it's the next step and what, whatever was going on but uh so did you say you went um back uh for your mba so was that after india or um, that was before india so that was uh, Indi before india that was before. so that'll be so to, to kind of go through the timeline real quick so i came to to osaka after undergrad for on the jet program Spent a couple of years past Jet, but I was in Osaka. Went back, did my master's, then came to Tokyo after the master's. Did my stint at Goldman in Tokyo and Hong Kong, and then kind of had the moment where okay, you know, and and not, it was not like anything was going wrong. They were treating me well. It was it was a great gig, you know, wonderful, all that great stuff. But I just no longer needed to spend time there. It, it, you know, it was clear that I needed to spend time on this continuing education, and then I went to India. Okay. Yeah, so I'm trying to. I mm -hmm. was. Uh, that's right. I was trying to see, uh, or I was wondering then, how did uh, it, uh, did you make it back to Japan again? Yep. After mm -hmm. that, good question. So that so the next iteration of life in Japan, and, and it's it's one of those things, you know, Japan for those for some of us, it just keeps calling us back. I think this is my fifth iteration. I missed. I left out a little short little one in there, one or two. But but basically, uh, and and this is not uncommon for you know. Um, so as you probably probably many of your guests uh, have, have mentioned. So the la the the next iteration, which is uh, in a sense the most recent iteration, I came back. Um, some uh, some buddies uh, who are in the world of pharmacology, and uh, we they, we were talking about setting up a um, a skincare cosmetics. Uh, company or developing formulations, developing products based on the kind of East and West, um, the, the knowledge of East and Western medicine. And so given that I'd been studying Ayurveda, given that my background in pharmacology, we decided to, uh, to, to start a, uh, 
to to start a, a small cosmetics company, uh, skincare company, and uh, and it just so happened I had been talking to someone in Japan, one of my old contacts, colleagues, and uh, she was interested in getting involved, and so basically I came back to Japan to set that up, um, and so we set that up. Uh, oh God, it's been about over a decade now, um, so that's what kind of brought me back. But then from there things shifted a lot. Is that still going? That that it's company? still going on. It's actually still going on in a small way. We we uh, you know we don't spend a lot of time on it, but it's still there and uh, it's still it's still moving. And I still kind of am involved, um, but most of my time is shifted, as we'll probably get into fairly shortly. Yeah, yes. your your main focus uh, is it Manthan? Manthan? Yes. How, how do you pronounce that? Manthan. 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 And what, what does that mean? What does that f- word mean? So Manthan is, it comes from, it, it means churning. And it comes from a story called the, the churning of the ocean, Samudra Manthan. And it's a very famous story in the Mahabharata, the, uh, one of the ancient texts of India. Um, and uh, to, to, to cut the story really short, because it's, it's, a, it's a long episode. Um, basically, it, in order to, the, the story, the moral of the story, let's get the moral story is, in order to really get to the good stuff deep inside of ourselves we need to churn the ocean we need to we need to go in we need to really go deep and that's what meditation is and that's what these practices are and as we go in what happens is the first thing that comes out is actually something called halahal it's a poison in other words when you go really deep in with meditation look the moral behind the story when you go deep in with meditation with these yoga techniques be prepared to see some stuff you don't want to see you know, there's, there's some ugliness, there's some darkness, and we all have it. And we're, we're all born with this. We all, you know, we all struggle with this, but be prepared. And that's part of the process. Face the darkness, face the stuff you don't like, the insecurities, you know, the regrets, whatever it is, face all this stuff first. And then after that, the treasures come out and these treasures come out. The 14 ratnas come out of the ocean. Um, and, uh, and the last treasure or the most important treasure is this uh, is a treasure called amrita the nectar of immortality and and that is really kind of the essence of yoga to try to find that nectar of mortality immortality enlightenment is that is that the same thing and you could say it's enlightenment once you know once you know your true self then you are enlightened and then in that sense you see what's what's real and what is real is that immortal soul is is you know what we're going for and this this process of churning the ocean is is this something uh, that you're doing while you're meditating, or is it just this overall? I mean, does it refer to the overall long process of just uh, self discovery and everything? Or yes, and yes. You know, the beauty of yoga is once you once you go kind of once you get deep enough into it, you start to realize that what the yogis were telling us was yoga is not just something you do for an hour on the mat every day or, you know, in front of the, whatever your DVD or YouTube or wherever you do your yoga, right? Really what the yogis are saying was yoga is something that is, is part of your life. It, it, It is the journey, you know, and all these yoga techniques and poses and all these breathing techniques. These are just there to get you to a point where you can realize that every moment of your life can have this, this, uh, this, this essence of yoga in it. I'm curious to know, uh, I mean, Mantan is the name of the, and we'll talk more specific Mm-hmm. specifically about it in a bit but uh that's the name of this uh, most recent i guess platform that you guys are are now starting to launch but mm-hmm. um i guess before that though you were you were already doing some seminars and uh, workshops and re- retreats and stuff and yeah how, how did that get started and i'm curious to know uh kind of how japanese people uh react in these sessions or or how they feel during these sessions and stuff sure sure so so i've been sharing you know i've been sharing yoga um for probably well, well over a decade in japan and uh and uh some of that's public classes and i still do them now because of corona they're only uh, online of course um so um so public classes and uh, other before before the corona we were doing a lot of retreats. So we would go out to these beautiful places in Japan. We'll go to you know Shimoda in the summertime. You know Shimoda, the beach is there. Um, we go there in the summertime. We would do a, a, a fall retreat or late summer retreat to Yakushima down in oh, uh, Kagoshima. Nice. You, you might know it. Um, yeah. 
uh, we would do winter and spring retreats in Niigata, Uonomashi, and Nagano, Takayamamura, a variety of places. There's, there's many more. Koyasan, if we want to do a kind of a, you know, an esoteric Buddhist retreat. So we, uh, we do retreats for public. We do public classes. I do workshops, intensive teacher trainings. Um, so all these things. And also corporate work. I was doing for years kind of, kind of you know, in more informally. So I'd, I'd have a number of corporate clients uh, and I'd work with the CEOs or I'd work with uh, certain departments. Um, and one of those, those, the public program is still going on. So we have a, a team called Atta, Atta Yoga. I still do that. And I have a team of about 10 or 12 teachers who are actually starting to teach on that platform as of, as of next month. So it's kind of an exciting time. Um, and then from there, I uh, kind of formalized recently this month and project or the month and corporate wellness. Um, because I think corporates need something, need it to be packaged a little differently than just a public class. Uh, and what the, you know, what employees need is um, not a more kind of customized and a little kind of long-term approach um, so that they can really get the benefits so that the, the employees, the individuals themselves and the companies start to see, you know, why companies around the world are, uh, are incorporating this kind of uh, corporate wellness into their, into their uh, programs, into their trainings. How were so those... Oh, sorry. You mentioned some pretty amazing places for those retreats and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then you also mentioned that you were working uh, maybe sometimes with some CEOs of some companies. How are those uh, getting arranged? Were there, were they people traveling from companies within Tokyo to these places for retreats or are they for people in the area and stuff? So the retreats that we, that I mentioned were made, were, were for generally, uh, they're for anyone across, we would promote kind of to our student base around, around Japan. Um, and we would, you know, often we would all travel together. So if most people are going from Tokyo, we'd actually, you know, we'd get the Odoriko train tickets and we'd all go down together. Uh, or we'd tell them, you know, there's this, this, the flight we're taking to Yakushima, whoever wants to join can join, you know, on the flight or they can join partway through, or if they go early, you know, meet us, uh, there's, there's always a, uh, you know, different options on how to, how to join. But it's kind of fun when you, what you mentioned there is when we travel together, uh, as a group, that's part, you know, the whole, the retreat. Yeah, the retreat starts at Hanada Airport or at Tokyo Station or Shinagawa Station, and that that the journey to the to the destination is actually really part of the retreat in many ways. Um, and so that was that became kind of a, a, a big hit. And uh, I think yeah, this year it's it's been tough on us because a lot of people miss those uh, the, those moments of camaraderie on the trains and on the on the planes. Um, so that's how we did our retreats. So if um, if you were doing some corporate uh retreat or a corporate course with a with a company what would someone that's joining that what what could they expect to be to be doing on like a a weekly basis or a monthly basis or even a day-to-day -day kind of schedule sure so um right now uh because of corona we're focusing more on these kind of online three month six month um courses um, right wellness courses we call them and typically now these are every each one is customized to every to the company to hr's needs to kind of the nature of how people work in that company so um, but i can you know i is a general template what we would do is we would say we'd have one uh, class a week uh, 45 minute class for example um, and each week um, after class after that class so that class would be there would be a, a topic for that class. So, for example, we would be doing stretches for uh, reducing anxiety, you know, or breathings uh, uh, in order to sleep better at night. Um, or it could be something physical, like creating better core or better posture, something like that. So we'll have a topic for each class, and each class will be linked to the next class. Um, and if it's, say, once a week, then we'd have a follow-up between those sessions where we'd ask people to practice. We'd give them a five-minute challenge a day or a one-minute challenge a day. And that way, you know, we're trying to instill, what we're trying to instill with any of these techniques is short but constant, uh, what is it, routine practice. We want people to practice every day. You know, if you do something one minute, five minutes, ten minutes a day, the impact, the effect is so much quicker. Um, Harvard researchers proved that in eight weeks of even short meditation, in eight weeks, the amygdala, part of the brain that responds to, uh, it's the emotional response center, um, that part of the brain physically, you can see it in functional MRIs, you can see that that part of the brain actually changes within just eight weeks. Um, so we, short bursts of, you know, every day um, of practice is so critical. So we try to support that. 
is uh like um earlier when you were talking about the uh the retreat you were kind of saying you know it was being advertised to people who were already part of a customer base but when you're uh going forward and i guess even now when you're approaching companies uh japanese companies <laughs> and uh you know letting them know about the benefits or building a program for them i mean I'm definitely no expert on the subject, but, uh, you know, there is like Zen, uh, meditation and Buddhist culture and stuff. But I mean, most Japanese companies, uh, I wouldn't think the first thing on their mind is like, how can we think about, at least up to this point, you know, how can we think about the well-being of our employees and, and, uh, their mental state and stuff? Um, so is that something that you're really trying to, uh, convince companies about the benefits or are they already getting in touch with you? And how are these, uh, maybe people who've never been exposed to yoga and mindfulness before? How are they like, uh, are they very receptive to it and stuff? Yeah, that, that, that's a great, that's a great question. I think, um, first of all, I think that's definitely midsize and large companies have over the last several years, um, have been really focused actually on corporate wellness. Um, the thing is they, because it wasn't really instilled, it's it's relatively new, so they're not really sure what that means. So you know, there's a process of kurikose, the kind of benefits HR benefits programs, and so a lot of the help that Japanese uh, or a lot of the call it uh, yeah support for corporate wellness call um, that these companies were giving to their to their staff was more like you know they pay for their gym membership. Um, right. Or they would, uh, you know, some of them tie up with, the, or they get, they get a service provider, like a, what we call it, like the Fukurus Kose, the beneficiary kind of, uh, service provider who, which allows employees to access certain, you know, maybe a, a yoga or a stretch video or some sort of video. Um, and so the, the, the employee can access that for free or at a discounted rate or something. Um, so in other words, they kind of threw a little bit of money at the situation. But it's not really, um, I, I, it's not something that really has a, a great impact. Um, and the main reason is because th it's kind of a, if you have time on your own time, go ahead, here's a little bit of, you know, we've set up something, if you want to do it, go for it type of attitude. And uh, what we're really focusing on, on, on helping these companies shift from that to a real corporate wellness, Kenko Kei, you know, we're managing the health of our company employees because we realize it's important not just for their well-being but for this for our company because the amount of people that we lose to uh mental health issues to you know disability issues uh long-term disability issues be lots because of stress related um and also because if people quit if you don't have you know if you have attrition then you have you've lost three to six months um, of a person, you know, retraining, hiring, retraining, not to mention all the costs, right? So I think more and more companies are, are starting to realize that they, they need to do something, but they haven't really been uh, given advice on how to do this in a more impactful way. And so I kind of show different stages. There's a presentation I give. I show different kind of stages of what different companies do. Um, and some companies do the bare minimum, you know, which is just pay for something, go ahead if you want. And some companies are very active hands-on. It's a mandatory, it's like other programs. You know, you take a leadership program, same, same idea. If you want to, if you want to go to the next step, you got to be involved in this leadership program. In a similar way, it's basically mandatory. You've got to take this, this yoga, wellness, breathing, med meditation program, right? And, um, so I think companies are, are, some of them are getting it that they have to, they have to, um, invest more in terms of, uh, effort and time into this type of program what kind of um ratio do you know like if you're comparing it to say back in canada or the states mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um in terms of the corporations using um kind of mindfulness programs and and yoga uh systems do you know at all oh it's yeah it's it's uh, let me see in the last figures i looked at well japan is still very low if you're mm -hmm. going to look at a similar type of program that we're offering um, whereas, you know, there are plenty of examples in the U.S. There, they, I've seen like something about 20 to 30% of companies in the U.S. have this type of program. And we're talking, you know, all the Googles, the Etnas, the Apples, the LinkedIn's, all these guys are, are doing full-on programs. In fact, you know, Google has an in-house program that they spun out um, and is, is, is being offered all around the world. Um, so Japan, really what we're seeing in Japan and most of my kind of preliminary clients are actually foreign companies 
you know, um, just because there's a global mandate for this. And, you know, they tend to have this in their culture. Um, so the Japanese office kind of gets to ride on what the, the, the global office is doing. Um, you know, my hope is, and a part of the, you know, the, the, the earlier stages, yes, we're going to work mainly with, with foreign companies because they're coming to us. Um, and they, you know, it's a little easier to, 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 we don't have to spend as much time in the explanation phase of why they need to do it. We explain what we're doing, you know, and, uh, and if, and, and we customize it with them, but I think we'll be able to get on more and more Japanese companies as this, uh, as this mix up steam. Have you uh, ever come across somebody during your past seminars or whatever that was uh, very, uh, I don't know, typical salary man, shall we say, mm -hmm. or maybe uh, too pride to really uh, kind of buy into a lot of what was being explained and stuff and showed some resistance to it, but in the end kind of did change their way of thinking and stuff about it? It, it happens all the time. I, I think really... You know, if we do our job well, um, and that when I say we, it's not just, you know, our, our, our company, it's in combination with the HR managers. If we do our job well, we make a package, we make, we, we structure the workshop to bring people along. So I'll give you an example. What I mean by that is, okay, we know company A, you know, mostly salary men or salary women, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're stuck in a chair all day. The last thing they want to do is hear a lecture on, you know, you know, how, you know, our soul is the everlasting, you know, light, right? They need to just basically, you know, get moving a little bit. They want to get some blood flow. They want to breathe a little better. They want to feel a little relaxed. And so for them, you know, the first month or two of sessions will be, you know, doing some fun stretches or maybe helping them have some, you know, fun poses to get their core stronger. So they don't have as much backache or shoulder ache, uh, give them a few techniques so that they, their neck feels better, you know, things like that. And I think once you, once you gain someone's trust like that, then you can take them to a, a different, you know, a deeper stage, a deeper stage or deeper place. And, uh, so now specifically, um, is, uh, this new initiative, uh, Mantan, mm -hmm. uh, it, you guys are, now in the process of launching it or uh it's already uh gotten started a bit or it's going to be started. getting started yep. okay yeah it's we've already started up we've go, already had a couple of pilots going um and um i've been you know in a way it's what i've been doing from before but what we did is we've more formalized it now it's so but it's now formally it's it's underway we've got we're working i think with three or four clients already right now in the process of and speaking to a few more um and uh uh, you know, I think it's the need is is incredible. I think when people see in, in the you know we provide statistics about kind of how you know for every dollar or for every hundred yen in, of investment, there is plenty of research out there now that shows that the payback is anywhere from three to six times in terms of production benefits and in terms of reduced health costs. So uh, again, I like to quote Harvard and Forbes and some of these places, you know, some of these universities and magazines, um, but uh, Harvard has, a, has research that shows that for, for every dollar spent, six dollars uh, is, is what you um, can expect in terms of ROI. So, you know, from a, from a pure financial perspective it, it makes you know uh, you know no sense not to do this this is the, this is where we should be doing it and especially now given corona given the lack of uh, you know the kind of uh, lack of interconnection or you know between people it's so important that we take these opportunities to bring teams together and people together and it makes them you know makes them happier and just imagine how that affects their clients when they talk to their clients you know and how it affects not only their personal life but when they're talking to their teammates and uh, you know i think there's there's plenty of proof out there plenty of research out there and we're starting to prove it here as well and your <clears throat> excuse me your team uh, itself uh, is it a mostly japanese team or could you talk a little bit about some of the team members Sure, sure. Yeah. So we've got, uh, we've got a number of, uh, basically it's all Japanese right now in my team here. Uh, although a number of them have worked abroad. Um, so we have, you know, several bilingual and multilingual teachers as well. Um, so, um, and some of them are full-time yoga teachers. Uh, so they've already been teaching for many years. Um, but they've, you know, been through my program as well, my training program. Um, and, uh, and then, but I would say, you know, half of them are still full-time. Uh, employees in companies, so we all we all have corporate experience. That's one of the kind of the base baselines, and I find that 
if you've never really had corporate experience, not that you cannot uh, associate or empathize with people in that position. That's not true. But we 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 able we're able to kind of uh, we're able to draw upon anecdotes from when we were in similar situations. So, for example, you know, when I talk about how a really, you know, a, a really big deep breath in a time of stress can deflate a situation, I can give an example of when I was in a meeting with very, very senior people. Uh, and, you know, I can give the exact situation of how there were, you know, people yelling across the table and me as the most junior person in the room, I took this huge, you know, deep breath and I noticed suddenly the entire room stopped. And it just changed the energy in the entire room. Um, and I think when you have those experiences to draw upon, you're not just saying, you know, breathing helps with stress, you know, or, or with anxiety. It's like, no, this is what here, this is a this is a technique I used. Before every meeting, I'd get there one, one minute before everyone else. I would sit down, I would put my phone away, and every person that walked in, I'd look them in the eye and, and say hi. Everybody that walked in the room for that meeting. You know, and in that sense, geez, I kind of owned the room after that. Everyone trusted me. They they liked that the fact that I cared about them enough to just say hi. Because most meetings, if you've been to many of these companies, everyone's stuck in their phones or stuck in something. Many people don't say hi even. So these are techniques that we can draw upon if we've had some corporate experience, or it's a little easier for us. Yeah, so that sounds what, like a that sounds like a great kind of tip that even people can kind of you know take from this straight away once, once they've, they've listened to this uh, this podcast are there any other kind of small things that people can start off doing just um you know to help them with to deal with stressful situations especially in uh japanese companies yeah plenty and not just japanese companies this is this is, this is universal it's all over the world so the, we add these little tips to a lot of our kind of follow-ups to and um and our classes as well so another one i'd love to give is look set a certain time limit a little a timer say every 15 minutes or 20 minutes let it ring get up stop whatever you're doing take three breaths sit down again get back to it the mind is not really there is not really our, our brains aren't made to focus for hours and hours upon you know especially in these bizarre seated positions that we have on these unnatural chairs, looking at these unnatural computers, often not at the right height, not at the right, you know, so we're, we're not designed for this. We are animals that were designed to, you know, run and climb trees and do all these things, not to sit and focus like the way we are made to these days. So with that knowledge, if you just break up your routine, 15, 20 minute chunks. Um, you know, I used to put post-it notes on my, on my screen at the, you know, at the, uh, at the office. And it just said, you know, sit straight, something like that. Just, you know, remind me how to sit better. You know? um, so uh, the other thing I would do is, and I often suggest the same thing, that 15, 20 minute break, you know, you just constantly just, you go for a quick walk, you go get water. You don't keep water at your desk, you go get water, you know, um, that way, that way you're forced to be, you're forced to get out of that kind of uh, the, 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 the matrix of whatever you're working in. You know, you're forced to take a breath. You're forced to look around at the, the world around you. And God, life is so much more fun if you look around at the world around you once in a while. If you're stuck in your computer or stuck in your stress all day, for, you know, you get out at 7.30, 10, whatever it is at night. You know, it's, it's not the life that most of us would really choose. You know, the work might be really interesting, but it's how you hold yourself through the day during that work. Uh, that is what's key, and I and I think that's what we're trying to share, really. And these little these little tricks, these little tricks can help do that. And just uh, hearing that right now, it kind of just reminds me that oftentimes, like everything, just turns into being about work. Like uh, I'm just thinking right now, well, tomorrow's Monday, so mm -hmm. I got to think about like what I got to get done on Monday, or like you know, a whole day just turns into like what can you know what can I get accomplished. Uh, during that day related to work and kind of lose sight that uh, life isn't just about the uh, the job or the office place and stuff and finding out ways to kind of remind yourself of that perspective and stuff. Uh, hearing you talk about like the things you were just now kind of uh, reminded me that that is actually a much better approach probably to living than, uh, you know, letting your job dictate how you're living and stuff. So we lose sight of what's important. This is this is human nature. And yoga is there to remind us, or all these practices, all the practices that are here in Zen Buddhism and all that, they're here to remind us not to lose sight. What's important? You know, first of all, what's important in life? Keep that always in mind. Second is that these things are all temporary all around us. We don't know 
you know, how much time we have in this world. I don't mean to be morbid, but, you know, it's a fact, right? That earthquake came yesterday, 11 p.m. It reminded us of the fact that, wait, everything can stop in an instant. Corona came, COVID came and said, wait, we can life can change, on, you know, like that. If we, if we forget to live in this moment, you know, it's kind of a cliche, be in the moment, be present. It's kind of a cliche, but it actually has its roots in something um, that has been proven, even in research, it's been proven that when we are drifting away, when we're, when we're not in the present moment, we're thinking tomorrow I got to do this, or I'm regretting what I did yesterday, we are less happy. Happiness is in that moment of being here and now. It's that sunset that you saw that you never forget, or it's that sunrise that you saw that you never forget, or it's that moment with your child, you know, or it's that moment with your loved one, or it's that, you know, we all have those moments in life where we felt kind of outside of time and space. We all have them. There's no doubt they're in our, in our memory banks somewhere, right? And if those are the times we're trying to, you know, what we're trying to say with yoga is you can have that moment all the time. You can live right here, right now. I'm here right now with Burke and Benjamin, right here, right now. You know, we're really here together. That's what, that's the, but that's what we want, that's where, that's where we want to get to. But to do that, we need a little bit of training. And, you know, this is that mental fitness that yoga and meditation is all about. That was, uh, I think that was a great message and maybe a great thing to kind of maybe start to wrap things up a little bit. But, uh, I mean, um, where can people find out more about uh, everything? It sounds like you have a few things going on right now. Uh, yep. Where can they learn uh, about it? And uh, could you share some of that, please? Sure, sure. So we've got a couple of URLs I can I can give you, a couple of websites um, for our public, regular kind of public classes, all on Zoom. So you can take them from anywhere in the world. That's atayoga.jp, A-T-H-A-Y-O-G-A dot J-P, atayoga.jp. Uh, and then for our corporate stuff, monthan. M-A-N-T-H-N hyphen wellness.com. That's our corporate work. Um, and uh, both of those will be, uh, your inquiries will be, find their way towards me, I'm sure. So Yeah, uh, we'll put them always, in the show notes and yeah, if you uh, always, people will be able to find you. Yeah. Perfect. Those, those are the two best ways. I, we, we do a few other things and, you know, a little bit on social uh, media, but, but I'd say check out our websites and, uh, you know, and drop us a line. It's, it's, it's really important that we, you know, we customize for what people need. Uh, that's, that's our goal. Well, yeah, thanks. Just, thanks a lot for having you on, Manish. It's been a uh, really interesting talking to you and to, yeah, get deep into you know kind of yoga and mindfulness and how how important it is. And and actually, I've I've been getting into meditation recently. So in the last kind of couple of months, I'm trying to. I mean, I, I've just read so much about you know the successful people that do it on a daily basis. Um, so I've started to do it, but I'm kind of struggling a little bit. You know, like it just to to, to keep it going. Um, I'm doing five minutes a day at the moment, five minutes every morning when I wake up. Um, but one thing I, I don't really get is, um, seeing the effects. I don't know if there's a way that you can see how you're changing or how the meditation is actually helping you. I mean, things to look out for maybe. That's yeah, what it, kind of confuses me a little bit. Sure, sure. You know, I, I think a lot of us, you know, we've been raised goal oriented. Right, we want to see the six. We want to see the effect. We want to see the marks right away. Um, we need to move more towards process orientation, and once you do that, you'll you'll start to see it. It it, it just it comes. I mean, I can give you thousands of examples. Uh, it just the thing is, it just takes a bit of time, you know, and uh, and patience and kind of practice are are two of these very important kind of mantras of uh of uh, of yoga and, and of all these ancient sciences all of them right um and so i think you know my advice would be stick with it um the other thing is it, there is benefit of having guidance um and so you know all the ancient teachings generally you know you if you can find a teacher you know um that you, you that you can uh, learn from then definitely find some guidance you know um uh, you know I'll, I'll i'll send you a couple of links maybe you guys get you into a couple of classes yeah, one of yeah. these days um, <laughs> but i think you know once guidance does help it gets you there quicker we're not saying you can't do it on your own but guidance helps and that's you know that's uh, that's that's part of the the uh, tradition sure 
Yeah, I think that's kind of been my, I've tried it in the past myself too, but I just, uh, based on what, you know, I was trying to do it based on whatever I could find on the internet or advice from friends and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I wasn't, I don't think I was successful at all at it. And I think maybe that's kind of one of these blessings of Corona because a lot of things are being made more accessible remotely and stuff. And, uh, yeah, as I was looking at some of your websites and, and seeing stuff, I was like, well, this is probably actually something I should try out is, uh, one of these classes online and stuff. So. It was, uh, it was definitely, uh, very interesting to read about. And we've, uh, you know, we tried to fit in quite a bit in such a short time. But uh, is there anything else you wanted to share with people before we wrap this up? I think, look, there is clearly there's something in this meditation and yoga and all that. We all kind of get that there's something in there. We just, most of us just haven't had a chance to be exposed to it deep enough to know what that is and why it is and how it all works. So, uh, you know, my, my advice to everyone is look, you know, go for it. I mean, have faith that there's something in it. You know, there's enough of us that have gone before and have done it and found some benefit. Um, You know, so the first thing is have a bit of faith in that. Let the process work, work its way. You know, don't be rushed. But at the same time, there's, you know, there's because there's work, if you work at it, you know, you will see the effects. And, And to have to do the right work to figure out that direction and which techniques might work best for you definitely go out and try to find you know find a teacher don't just look at something on youtube and think that that's going to do it because these things are all customized someone you know these are all these are traditional very traditional arts and sciences and uh and they require some someone who's had a chance to walk at least a few steps ahead of you right to to pull you along and say hey these things might work for you try this out well, thank you so much uh, again for your time and uh, for all that great advice and uh, and your message. And, uh, yeah, definitely encourage everyone uh, to check out uh, your websites. I think I'm actually seriously going to try this out because uh, I think I'm kind of at a stage in my life where the would definitely benefit uh, for, with, um, from a lot of this type of stuff. So, yeah, thank you, Manish, uh, so much for your time and for joining us. Thank Thanks, you, guys. Manish. It's a pleasure. All Take right. care. Bye-bye. Take care, guys. This episode was brought to you by Rizutsu Lodges, open all year round, located five minutes walk to the main Rizutsu Ski Resort gondola. Uh, And as I said before, Rizutsu is having an awesome season this year. So if you're down there, make sure to stay at Rizutsu Lodges, a cheaper option than the actual resort. There are also Japanese, Western and apartment style rooms with breakfast packages available. There's a Japanese sento or public bath, two convenience stores, less than a minute walk, ski room and tune-up tables, free pickup available, and there's plenty of free parking space. Check out the website for more information and availability at rizutsulodges.com.